I read this from a site uh, as a resource site for pastors, and they tell me that it's a true story. I can't verify it, but they said it is. And I want to read some of it to you. Brian of Provo, Utah, not our Brian over here from Belmont, but Brian of Provo, Utah, recently experienced more difficulties than any human being should have in a single day. First, a water pipe broke in the apartment above his and it flooded his apartment. So the manager told Brian to go out and rent a water vacuum to clean up the mess. He went out to his car, hit the key in the ignition, tried to move it and realized he had a flat tire. Left the keys in the ignition, came back into his apartment to call to get help. When he grabbed the phone on the wall, standing in wet water, he got a shock and he pulled the phone off of the wall. Before he could exit his apartment, the water had swollen the threshold enough that he could now not go out his door and a pounding and yelling and screaming, he got a neighbor who came and kicked his door in from the outside. When he went out to go get his car with the key in the ignition, you know what happened, right? Someone had tried to drive it off, but with a flat tire, they didn't get very far. They only got around the corner. But the other piece of wonderful news for Brian that day was it had run out of gas. So with a flat tire and no spare and no gas, he had to push it to a gas station. That evening, Brian went to Brigham Young University to a military event. He carelessly threw on the front seat of his car his bayonet. Jumping into his car, he did enough damage to himself that an ambulance had to come and the doctors had to stitch up his backside quite seriously. While Brian was okay from that, it didn't work out so well for his four pet canaries who were in his apartment who when the ceiling, the wet ceiling fell that night, killed his canaries. When he did get back into his apartment, he slipped on the wet carpet, and not only had he put lacerations in his rear, he now injured his tailbone. And Brian's statement was this. He wondered if, quote, God wanted me dead but kept missing. <laughs> I've been dealing with the letter D, each one of the sermons now for the last month and a half, two months, I guess. I've dealt with dream and decision and delays, and this morning we're going to go to difficulties. Do any of you ever have any difficulties? I think we all do. Um, Jesus told us in John's gospel, oh my, there it is, it's coming up slowly. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then Paul said this, in everything we do, we show that we are God's servants, enduring troubles, hardships, and difficulties with great patience. How many of you have great patience? I don't see many hands going up right now, okay. It's just that trouble is a part of life. In Acts chapter 27, uh, there is 
a story there, and I've read it through now over the last couple of weeks numerous times. It's the longest chapter. I don't want to read it all again, but if you haven't read Acts 27 in a while, this afternoon, you can read it. If you get bored with what I'm saying, just read it through now and see what's, what's going on there. But basically, I'm going to give an awful lot of it to you. Uh, Paul is being taken as a prisoner to Rome when he warns the captain of this ship, don't sail out, into this, out of this harbor because God has told me there's going to be a storm. But the captain got impatient. Any of you get impatient? I know you do, because I do. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. And he heads right out into the storm. They decided to leave, even though Paul had said not to. Uh, in the story, we're, we're going to learn that there's three keys, and I want to give them to you, to dealing with problems. I didn't put this up. It looked great on my computer, but it doesn't look so good in these colors up here. How to deal with difficulty. Here's the first one, ask. I'm going to keep using the word ask here through this whole section. Okay, ask what caused this. Sometimes when I ask what caused this, I go, white, it's just your own ignorance. I create a lot of my own problems, and probably you do too. And I also know Satan creates some of our problems. Other people, you guys create some of my problems. <laughs> I said the best thing that happened when I retired was I no longer had to deal with you guys. I shouldn't have said that out loud, should I? I love you. I hope you still love me. Mm -hmm. I tried to think this problem through. When we have troubles, when we have problems, I tried to think this problem through, but it was too difficult for me until I went into your temple. That verse has given me about as much pause to think this week as any verse that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you an awful lot of them. Is it saying the same thing to you that it's saying to me? That when we gather together in worship, when we come together as the family of God, we can deal with the problems together and we're stronger together than we are alone? I think so. I think that's what it's maybe saying to me. Someone said to me recently, I, I won't identify who it is because you're not here. Maybe you're up there, I'm not sure. That's, I'm pointing at the camera. Someone said to me, I really like going to worship in my pajamas. That's why I'm not coming back to church. I tried to think this problem through, but it was too difficult for me until I went into your temple. Maybe we need to be together. Maybe there's something about that, about being here together. Well, when the men decided uh, to set sail into the Mediterranean Sea, Paul said, don't go or we're going to go into a storm. They made three common mistakes. That is impossible to read. I apologize for that. It is absolutely impossible. Three common mistakes. Here's the first one. We listen to bad advice. We listen to bad... Do you ever get bad advice? 
They followed the advice of the pilot. The pilot said, let's go. And God said, don't go. And Paul warned them. But the expert said, it's okay. (laughs) Are there experts that you know of? And sometimes they say it's okay to do things. But I'm going to say this. If God tells you no, I don't care how many people say yes. If God says no, the answer is no. And if God says yes, the answer is Yes. We listen to bad advice. That's verse 11. We follow... Okay, Mike's going to make it darker, so maybe you can see it. We follow the crowd. Oh, there we go. There's that one. Everybody's doing it. Ever heard that one? Everybody's doing it. And so, therefore, it gets more challenging all the time. We're told in Scripture that there were 276 people on that boat. That's a pretty good-sized boat, 276. You know what the vote was to go to sea? 273 to 3. Everybody's saying go, but they were wrong. We listen to bad advice, and we follow the crowd, and then we rely on circumstances, is what verse 13 is all about. Then when a gentle breeze came from the south, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. They thought it was going to be a nice day for sailing. And Paul kept saying, don't do it. Hey, a gentle breeze is coming. The expert says do it. The crowd says do it. So let's go out into the storm. You know, Satan can arrange circumstances. Have you ever noticed that? I believe that. I mean, the scripture says he's the prince of the power of the air. I believe he can arrange things so that we can make a lot of mistakes. We can blow things up every now and again and things don't come out well. I mean, we shouldn't do, I'm going to say this, I shouldn't always do everything I think I should do unless God says do it. We rely on circumstances. I want you to think about that right now as we consider our next pastor. Is it just the circumstances? Okay, we've been without somebody for a long time. We need to get somebody in here. Um, Don't tell anybody. But we're doing pretty good without a senior pastor here at the moment. We'll do better when we get one here. But you know something? You guys are doing well. You look at the e-news that comes out every Friday. And look at all the ministry that's taking place. God is good. Just keep preaching, brother. Let's look at another one up here. I can't even read it up there. I've got to read it off my notes. Number two, ask. Except it's so dark I can hardly see my notes now. What? <laughs> Go figure, huh? Here's number two. So the first one was, was ask what caused this. The second one is this. Ask, what does God want me to learn from this difficulty? In 2 Corinthians, we read this. These little troubles, which are temporary, are winning for us a permanent, glorious, and solid reward out of all proportion to our pain. Paul is saying that the problems you have in your life are not going to last The problems are temporary, but the reward is permanent. 
When we go through difficulties, the first thing we try to do is to blame somebody else. Oh my, is that true? We don't want to admit it too much as adults, but we'll all always generally point to our kids or grandkids. Oh, he made me do it, or she did it. You know, we, we want to blame somebody. It, okay, the Republicans are blaming the Democrats, the Democrats are Republicans. You know, the, the, so what, what do we do? I mean, it's just the way it is. We want to blame. We want that to happen all the time. In Romans chapter 5, yeah, there it is. It is up there if you can read it. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character and helps us trust God more and more. The result, God wants you to learn something. That's the whole purpose of the problems. God wants you to teach you through the trials through the difficulties when we have them he has something to teach us the trouble is I'm a slow learner I have learning difficulties I have learning disabilities any of you relate to that I won't say that you have but I know I do I am a slow learner it's so many things God has to keep telling me time and time again John no this way Some of you are facing difficulties right now. It may be an illness. It may be fear or it may be guilt or it may be a financial problem. Strain on a relationship. What are the difficulties you're facing right now? Does God have a word for you this morning? I believe he does. God brought you here this morning and maybe the phrase he wants you to hear is don't give up. Keep on keeping on. First, you try to determine what caused this. Then you ask, what does God want me to learn from this? And number three is, how should I handle this? How should I handle this? How do I react? How many times do we say, it's not fair? Two weeks ago, Julie and I were down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with our kids and grandkids. And the twins had the opportunity because they had done something, they had done all their homework, done, they're, they're six years old, had done their chores and everything else. So each one of them got, the ch got to choose to watch a video. And Charlie chose one video and watched the whole thing, and Lydia now was watching her, sec her video, which came up after Charlie's. However, her video wasn't quite done when Tim went in to say it's time for supper and turned the TV off. And three rooms away, I could hear screaming at the top of her little six-year-old lungs, it's not fair. <laughs> I heard that three times before I heard, it's not fair, as Tim finally tried to quiet her down. It's not fair. You don't ever say that though, do you? In Acts 27, there are three things that you shouldn't do when we get up into these situations. We shouldn't drift, because difficulties cause us to drift. I'm just using the letter D here an awful lot. 
the word, the, the letter I'd like to use, the word I'd like to use is coast, because we don't even talk about drifting too much these days. We talk about coasting, right? The trouble is when you're coasting, which way are you going when you're coasting? Downhill. You don't coast uphill. You go, come backwards again. And one of the things we shouldn't be doing when we face difficulties is try to coast and just give up on the good things we've got around us. Some people try to drift through life. They have no goal, no objective, no purpose, no orientation, no ambition. But we need to keep on keeping on. So don't drift. Another thing is this, don't discard. Don't discard. They began, well, under the, the don't drift, the verse that's there that I want to use is verse 15. So we gave way to it and were driven along. They began to drift. Don't discard. Verse 18. They began to throw the cargo overboard. They were out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It says in Scripture that they had been 14 days without seeing the sun, moon, or stars. They had no idea where they were. They, only, they didn't have GPSs back then. They used sextants. And if you can't see the stars or the moon or the sun, you have no idea where you are. They were lost. And they were just trying to throw things overboard, hoping they could stay afloat long enough that they might be saved, but it was getting worse and worse and worse. First they threw the cargo overboard, then they threw the tackle overboard, then they threw the food overboard, and they got to the point where they wanted to throw the prisoners overboard. It's just kind of a common human reaction to difficulties. You get in a storm of life and you, I don't need this stuff. I don't, I don't need this Christian heritage that I had. You don't use those words. I don't need church anymore. I don't need, I don't need your faith anymore. I don't, you fill in the blank of what you don't need. The values are thrown away. The heritage, the relationship, it's typical when we act impulsively that way. But God says, stay with the ship. In verse 31, Paul told the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut away the ropes to the lifeboat. Can I quit preaching and go to meddling? <laughs> Sometimes we need to cut away the ropes to the lifeboats and stay with the ship. I'm a terrible pastoral counselor. I re I've said that I've said that for donkey's years. You know, when I got this degree in counseling and started to do counseling, started having sessions. You know, setting up. I booked myself to a maximum of 15 hours a week. That's all I would do while I was pastoring full-time. Tried to 15 hours of counseling. And I realized I'm a terrible counselor. And then I got back to 12 hours and 10 hours and 8 hours and finally said, I'm not going to counsel anymore because I just tell people what to do. <laughs> I don't let you try to figure it out. I, said, I just basically said, you know, I'll look at Julie and say, I can do this with her because she's my wife, okay? I would just say, Julie, just deal with it. You're being a jerk. <laughs> you know? 
We need. I have seen two, none of you, but I've seen too many couples say, I'm tired of this marriage. It's just not worth it anymore. What happened to until death do us part? Cut away the lifeboat. Saw a big, great big sign on the side of the road the other day from a, an attorney. Divorces, $129. That's pretty cheap money. <laughs> Cut away the lifeboat. Keep moving forward. Difficulties cause us to despair. Here's the verse for that one. It's verse 20. We finally gave up all hope of ever being saved. Again, 14 days of darkness, the wind, the waves, it's, it's a mess. There's no hope left. They figure everything is going to fall apart. But I want to tell you something. When you're in that situation, God will help you through. When you're in the, the deep, deep distress, God can help you if you trust him. So what is the right response to difficulties? What's the right response to difficulties? The first one, I'm going to go from D's now to C's. Confess my part. Confess what, I'm, what I've got to deal with. Um, if you brought it on yourself, deal with it. Admit it. Stop blaming other people. Stop making excuses. If you, this is your problem, deal with it. If it's Satan's problem, accuse him. Call Satan what he is, a liar. I don't know what your problem is. If your problem's with drugs, admit it. If your problem's with alcohol, admit it. If your problem's with pornography, admit it. If your problem is you fill in the blank, admit it and deal with it. Confess your part. The next one is confront it. Do what you can. This is what Paul did. He said, I encourage you to eat. Take some food. How many times when, <clears throat> when you're under stress do you just kind of let other things slide? We do, don't we? When we're under real stress, when life is really challenging, we let some things just slide. And we need to, as Paul said, he's just saying, okay, We've gone through 14 days of this. Take some food because it's going to get worse. <laughs> you, he, he doesn't tell him yet because I don't know that he knew yet. I don't know that he knew that God had told him yet that this ship is going to break up and you're going to have to swim for it. So take some food so you're ready to go. Be prepared for whatever is next. Confront it and see what God's going to do next. And the next one, the last one is this, is claim a promise. I've told you every time I've preached in the last two months, there are hundreds of promises in the Bible. We need to claim them and remember them. I want to read a longish passage out of here. I'll just read a short bit, then a longer one. In verse 25 it says, Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as, we have been, as I have been told. Down in verse 41, it, God is saying, We're gonna, you're going to make it. Here it is, verse 41, and a couple of verses after that. So they went straight ahead, striking a reef where the two seas met, and they ran the vessel aground, 
And the prow stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. Now the soldiers' plan was to kill all of the prisoners on board they, so they wouldn't escape. But the centurion, wanting to keep Paul safe, kept them from their intentions and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and swim to the land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and others on the broken pieces from the ship. And thus it happened that they were all saved. Isn't that interesting? 276, two weeks, no sun, no moon, no stars, torrential rain, high winds, ship totally destroyed, all saved. Fascinating story. God said the ship isn't going to make it, but you are. And that may be a story for any one of us this morning, that your ship may not survive, but you will. In this stinking economy we're in right now, ask me how I feel about it. There are some who, there are some people we know, I don't know if it's any of us, but there are some who may lose their home or may lose a car or may lose a job. But the ship may be gone, but you can still be here. God will be with you. So what do you do when you're dealing with difficulties? You don't give up. You don't become anxious and afraid. You don't allow yourself to drift. You don't give up on your dreams. You don't give up on your ambition. You don't drift through life. You don't discard. You don't throw away the values and the relationships that you know are important. You don't throw away your convictions and your relationship with God. You don't stop coming to God's house, his temple, as the scripture said. You trust God. You don't give up on hope. The interesting thing about this story is that everything was falling apart in the storm except for Paul. Why didn't Paul fall apart? Because Paul's confidence was in God, not the ship. One of my cousins, his name was Tim, passed away with multiple cancers five years ago. Uh, He suffered a long, long time. Tim became a Christian in his 30s after, I'm going to use the word accurately, screwing up his life more than anybody else I think I know. He had four, four daughters. He was married three times. But Tim, when he became a Christian, became a Christian. He became a Christian and impacted hundreds and hundreds of lives. His death would have been, his birthday would have been 
two, two and a half weeks ago. And he was just a little younger than me. One of his daughters wrote that day, Happy Heavenly Birthday, Daddy-O. I have never missed you more than this last year when I needed to hear your steady prayers with me, not for, with me, your steadfastness in any storm is the trait I am most grateful for you passing on to me. It's not bad for a guy who messed up life so bad and got it together and all four of his girls serving the Lord. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Difficulties? Let me pray, then I'll give you a bunch of announcements. Lord, it is good. It is, no, it isn't, Lord. It's, it's great to be together in worship, to celebrate together, to sing, to pray, to hug, just to be together. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. And Father, I don't know all the problems that anyone could be going through this day. I know some. I know the, the storm that Isabel is in right now, but Lord, I don't know anything about it, but I know something about it. I don't know the storms that a lot of people are going through, but you will make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, I pray that we would be steadfast in the storms of life and to show that to others and that they would then become radiant Christians because of it. I ask now, Lord, your blessing on us today. Amen.